Greetings, listeners. This is Silverdusk, your new GM for our story here for Fate's Rest. Uh, I will be running and going through this story and playing with a group of friends. Um, and the story for this one will be the Fateless. So we'll go into more detail about that as uh, the story progresses and you'll learn more about these Fateless and their crew in the world that we're in. And speaking of the change of uh, GM, we also, as everybody has probably heard of all of the fiasco that had happened with uh, the old game system that we were using. Um, and if you haven't heard of it, well, I really want to live under this. I really want to join you in your living under a rock. Uh, but on a serious note, if you haven't if you haven't heard of it, uh, look up all of the stuff going on about the uh, OGL. Um, it is a sticky situation. It's not really good for anybody, I don't think, other than uh, competitors and those of us who are now going to branch out even more than we have in the past. I know I've dabbled in a couple other systems as I've played, and now um, part of this adventure is us changing to the Pathfinder system for my campaign. Uh, we're playing two, uh, second edition Pathfinder, so uh, I hope you will enjoy our story as we evolve. And uh, there's probably going to be a couple moments where we're going to not know how stuff works and we're not familiar with the rules um, because we're all pretty new to it as well. So I do hope that it's not going to be too difficult to listen to and we will try to include cuts and stuff so it's not just us digging through rule books and trying to figure out what exactly things happen. You know, keep it, keep that, you know, in the background a little bit. I and mean, there's, there might be a little bit of looking stuff up, but uh, we will definitely do the same thing we've always done, you know, kind of inform you about what the spells do, what different feats do, what different things do, and try to learn along as we play. And then we're also learning as you're learning. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very interesting little situation there. Um, and with that change as well, because uh, Tex, is Tex has his own world that he has built and his characters that he works with and he has, he has tweaked and he's mastered and written, um, we're going to go into a world of my making, uh, which is what we will venture into here right after uh, this little explanation. And the biggest thing with my world is we're going to do something that I think will be interesting is a little bit of a spell instability process. Uh, it was a thing way back in the day. It's controversial for some of the old heads. Some of them loved it, some of them hated it. Um, I think I'm gonna do this. It's definitely a cut down version of it, so I think it's not gonna be as painful to uh, listen to and watch, but I do think it is gonna be an interesting way to kind of have something in the world that's uh, dynamic. So without further ado, we will go into the world intro for the uh, world of Erdania. And the players will have bits of lore and stuff in their intros as we go through with, my, with our new friends and characters that I hope you all will enjoy. So, you join me here for this little story time, and you want to know about the world of Erdania. Well, I can say, you know, the biggest downside is I ventured there, 
not really of my own volition. I mean, yes, I did decide to go, but it wasn't particularly what I would have liked to have gone and done. You know, you offer a god to help out with making a new, a new tavern, and you go and say, yeah, well, I'll help out your kids, and we can get a new tavern set up in a new place. Figuring, you know, it's not going to be anything too ridiculous or too terrible. Some of the other worlds that I've seen through the doors are all fairly similar. But this new world he sends me to, uh, you know, get out there, get everything set up, and then realize, well, I'm no longer, I no longer have any magical powers. They're all gone. Everything's gone. Everything I learned doesn't apply in this world. And, you know, you'd think after helping him save the world and helping him with rectifying things with the creator of our world and everything like that, you know, you'd think he'd at least give me a warning that my magic isn't going to work there. But, uh, that's just besides the point. I did mention, though, that I did meet two of his children, is how they ref or he referred to them and they referred to him. Uh, they didn't look anything like him, so uh, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. You didn't hear me complain. You didn't want me to complain about all this. You wanted to know about Erdania and Telendor and the Fateless, I guess. Well, I can tell you a little bit about Erdania, but I cannot tell you much more than what was going on with Tilindor. Though I can give you a little bit of information that I heard from rumors at the from around the world of the other continents in the in the world itself. Since, you know, I was only at Tilindor and the expansion to other areas was not happening while I was still in the employ of the gatekeeper. Speaking of, I think he still owes me some gold from that. I need to get with that. I need to get that figured out. So, outside of Tillendor, some of the rumors I heard would have been would have been interesting. You know, I cannot confirm if they were all real. You know, it's a drunken confessions of men and women who are, you know, possibly even trying to impress their bartender or trying to impress people around them with these stories of fancy and flight that they've heard and that they've supposedly seen. So, you know, kind of a take it with a grain of salt, but uh, I think I'll start with up in the northeast on a continent that has that was told to me was known as Kaysira. It is a place that their biggest thing that was supposedly the most crazy, most interesting thing about the entire continent itself was the fact that they had ships that flew. They just strap big balloons onto ships and they fly seems completely insane like why would you have a balloon to fly a ship we had a magical flying ship it seems like you know why'd you cut out the magic part or maybe we cut out the middle man it just seems like a really weird way to go about it uh at least from my perspective uh kind of like you know they flew without magic but it's like I don't understand that. And they used explosive powder for weapons, but uh, apparently it uh, frequently would wound and maim themselves, so it sounds like a rather poor investment for a weapon. And they had men and women who were made of metal and stone and wood, 
other materials to signify, I don't know, maybe maybe a rank or some sort of other distinction or ranking of them or I guess association or levels of them. And they had dead eyes made of gemstones. Supposedly they are a machine from a race that has long, long, long since departed the world. And part of that departation of the world is leaving behind their ruins and their their soldiers and their weapons and their technology and toys and tools. Uh, but metal men who can walk around and see into different places sounds like hogwash. Sounds like a story that, you know, your elders of the village would tell the youngest to scare them to sleep at night so they don't try to sneak out of the camp. Just, uh, just seems like a, all idle fancy. Though in the southeast, that's also kind of around that same area, is a land that is a bunch of different countries that seem to be never, that seem to be always locked into a fight and conflict of some sort or another. Some colonization and animals that walk and talk. That, I don't know, it seems like you need a lot of, uh, a lot of bathing if you had full fur, but... Maybe you'd be pretty warm in the winters. That might not be too bad of a thing to have. But, yeah, supposedly also another place where everybody is situated and set up in ancient ruins of ancient civilizations that are no longer on the planet. They didn't have magic ships, however. They apparently did other things. And I guess the history of that was the advanced people had deals with devils and demons and the debts came due, so they were just taken from the world. That's probably the worst, uh, the worst interest policy on any kind of, uh, debt you could ever take. <laughs> I don't think, uh, anybody should ever make a deal such as those. It seems like a really bad idea. But they all left and left all their advanced and special stuff behind. But, of course, like I said, the gatekeeper didn't send me there. The gatekeeper said, you know, also had mentioned that when I spoke to him about these, he said that the world there with the devil deals and the southern area, they use ships traditionally, the ones that sailed in water and sailing ships. Seems like they could use a little bit of extra magic and they could have had even better ships. But... I digress. They use these ships to colonize and fight each other and expand their wars and conquests. So, sounds like uh, sounds like a people you don't want to invite to any sort of holiday parties, and they apparently have problems with a lot of outsiders since you know they're currently at war all the time with each other, and they always look at all their neighbors as foes to be fought with or even you know eventually taken over and. Who knows what else? Though, like I said, I would share with you some of the rumors that I heard. But, for things that are not rumors, the world of Tilindor itself. It wasn't a very pleasant place. Because magic, you know, of course mine didn't work. But at least mine just didn't work. I could have had the luck of... Lark, the one of the, as I mentioned earlier, children of the gatekeeper. 
he had his magic. One of the first things he did when he showed up was went to use a spell and instead made himself invisible. So was not his intended spell. So that was an interesting thing that I think, from what I've heard, is a long-standing problem on that continent itself. Though it's a, like I other than that, it's a place like any other, you know. It's not quite as good as it is here at home, but there are things that were better, uh, you know. They have better problems, they have worse problems. There's problems at home, there's problems out in the world, wide world itself. So, yes, there was bad, there was good. Uh, lots of beautiful places to go see, a lot of beautiful cities. Old mountainous regions and I saw this really great lake that I would love to go to again up in the mountains but the world itself of I guess the world is pretty broken in many places but Tilador itself was very broken uh, the old gods wanted to hold power and the new gods showed up and between all of that uh, I guess some some of these newer gods rub the old gods the wrong way and it was just this same same general nonsense that we had in you know around here with all the stories of the gatekeeper and the creator and the leviathan and all of them it seems like whenever you have beings of power and godliness they with all of their power all of their strengths all of their knowledge they just can't seem to get along so we had these old gods, one of which apparently had a lot of problems with our god of most knowledge. This goddess was known as the Sisters, you know, the goddess of life and death. Weird mix, I thought, when I first heard of it. Though, uh, she did threaten the gatekeeper that if he were to ever enter the world of Redania, that she would, she would destroy him. And that is, uh, to destroy him for, I guess, violating the sacred cycle, whatever that means. So I don't know if the gatekeeper was afraid of this goddess or if it was just a matter of convenience. I like to think that he was afraid of her. It just makes me feel better about the whole situation. So I don't know how all the scars got there in Tolendor. I just do know that magic doesn't work. Maybe it has something to do with that sister's goddess. Maybe that she was part of that catalyst. But there were areas that were nullification for magic, so they would just suck up all of the ambient magic in the area. Make your skin crawl, your hair stand up, you know, just that itch in the back of your mind, give you a headache. Uh, kind of like a... Uh, you, yeah, you wouldn't know that. Uh, just... Kind of like when you're sick, you know, just constantly. And then areas of amplification, which is the opposite, gives you more power and makes everything feel weird and just, you feel unclean, like there's a staticky charge and a little jolt that follows you everywhere. I personally felt like those were even worse than the areas where no magic happened. You know, a headache is one thing, but when your skin just feels like every slight touch is, uh, is a slap across the face. It just, or a tickle. It's not the best situation. 
but you know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of the best way I can think of it is if you're too warm or you're too cold, you can definitely fix one, but the other one you really can't fix. Then the other weird part about Tilador, supposedly it's named after the greatest of all dragon kings. But for a land that's named after the dragons, I never saw any dragons there, so it seems like a really a really weird problem to have. I guess I should ask the gatekeeper about that situation. Maybe he might know. Though he might not be a god of knowledge on that area. He might be a god of no knowledge there. So, had the problem of magic. And apparently it fell to the fateless that we were going to speak about to fix this problem of magic. Set things aright and bring the world of Tilandor back into some modern place. The different kingdoms of Tilandor didn't seem to like or care for the uh, different fateless themselves necessarily, but they lived in some sort of weird, peace isn't the right word, but they at least functioned as a group on this continent. If you can call it functioning for the fighting and wars amongst themselves and other problems. But you did say you wanted to hear about these heroes. Yeah, the Fateless, right? That's right, they were called the Fateless. Um, I can give you some basics before we're supposed to head in for dinner. Don't want to make... Don't want to make your mother upset if we're too late. But the Fateless, they're blank slates in the Tapestry of Fate. That is why the Gatekeeper and the, as they called them on that world, the Agents of Fate, which I guess I was also a part of, they use, they don't have a space, they don't have a, a nature in Fate, they have a flexible and morphable state and form and they're not really attached to anything but those people with this blank slate they seem to always have abilities and some little some little eccentricities about them like the one one of the ones i met who claimed they were uh, one of the fateless it was a gnome who absolutely insisted that they were a giant that was shrunk down no matter how much you would tell them otherwise, no matter how much they drank, they always mentioned and stated that they are a giant that has been shrank into a gnome body. Seems like a really weird thing to lie about, but I don't think they were ever a giant. Uh, but, and the part, the reason why I knew they were, they were fateless is part of the tavern's magic allows them to access the tavern because they're of the fateless. So it was a very limited clientele on this world. And part of the problem with the Fateless was that they drew the ire of certain individuals that were on the world. Uh, the biggest one would have been the Cult of the Weaver. Yes, that's the name that they chose for themselves. It's really ridiculous. Why do cultists always make ridiculous names for themselves? I absolutely do not understand. You know, why not be 
the cult of the tapestry or the, I don't know, the, what ours on this world was the, was a rising sun. Like, wh- wh- who comes up with these names? Because uh, they clearly are not paid enough to come up with good names. But these cultists believe that they could harness the souls of the faithless and use them to reshape the world in their image, essentially create a new god of the world. And part of that reshaping of the world was to bring the weaver back from their prison to correct and heal the scars of the world. Though what kind of good god would heal the scars and pays of a world but demand sacrifices of innocent people. I guess that's why they're a cult and not uh, organized group. Or maybe even the organized groups are cults too if you come down to the brass tacks of things. Seems like anybody who puts that above all else might be a little bit cultish. But the best stories of the Fateless that I had met while I was there was the group of heroes who actually healed the scars they fixed the world they fixed Tilindor. they were able to meet up in rather awkward situations and had interesting lives leading up to the fact well interesting might not be the best word for some but what kind of good story doesn't begin with being in chains with your fellow your fellow adventurers and prisoners who are going to create legends isn't that one of the oldest stories in the every book almost seems a little cliche but I'll tell you about them tomorrow because I'm smelling something delicious let's go clean up and get something to eat yeah it does smell really good you promise you'll tell me absolutely sig I'll tell you the story, and I wouldn't miss it for any reason. 